Welcome back to the Pastors Podcast. Pastor Scott here with Pastors Matt and Brian. Hello. Merry Christmas. This Christmas week. Woo! The, Brian, you're the uh, you're the, the the church history, the church calendar guy. Are we allowed to call this Christmas week, or is that technically the, the, week, the week after, after. Christmas? This is technically Advent. it's the week after Christmas, but this is this might be released in the last Christmas? week of week? Advent. Is that the what last we are week in? of Advent? Is what we're in right now? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, celebrating Christmas uh, right now is like you know celebrating Christmas in 300 BC. It's like a little early. Right, Brian? <laughs> yeah. And if anyone says it to right, me, I'll Brian. make, yeah, right, I'll, I'll get very angry if someone tries. So in this, <laughs> right, it's not Brian. Christmas yet. Right, Brian? Uh, so <laughs> Fighting the good fight. Caught it. Oh, that's a deep cut. That yeah, yeah. was a deep cut. <laughs> the, um, so we are here to sing you some holiday songs. Yes. That's what we're, uh, <laughs> I was he, just waiting. He I, you right out, Matt. I, I you did, did I nothing. Tried. I was gonna say the ones about babies. I didn't want to like. Uh, no, 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 don't, 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 don't spoil it. my joke. <laughs> my, my one joke. For By the my time people are listening Sunday. to it, they're gonna hear it. They have right. already heard it. All right, fair. If enough. you're listening to this the week after Christmas, that's right. Yeah. So it's okay. A joke is just so you know. This sun, this Sunday, Christmas Eve, an awesome joke is coming. Prepare yourself. Been, been working on it. Been polishing it for twelve months, for weeks. Um, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spent some time just picking Pastor Jose's brain on his um, Christmas traditions, his Advent traditions. What both personally and culturally, and I think what's what's really interesting about this time of year is that it it kind of becomes a. Um, a conglomeration of a whole host of different traditions in our lives, depending on our backgrounds, depending on our families, depending on how either religious or non-religious our backgrounds or, or even broader cultures are. And so I, I think it's a helpful opportunity to not, I don't know, do less just specific teaching, um, because I don't know that there's a list of things that we would tell people this is what you should do. This is what Advent, you know, must be in, you know, I think oftentimes we feel a lot of pressure about that, um, trying to, to make it what, it, what it's supposed to be. But instead, I think it's helpful just to, to look at what it is, to look at some of the things that we've found helpful and meaningful over the years and just be able to, to sharpen one another and to continue to, to shape our, our individual families and our church family through those, those different traditions that we find particularly meaningful. And so, um, I, let me, maybe let me start. I'd love to ask how each of you grew up celebrating Christmas. Like what was Christmas like for you growing up? I, for me, it was always as a kid, it was always, um, for church related things that that was mostly geared around Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So Christmas Eve service was when we would go to um, go to church on Christmas Eve. And that was like the biggest part of Christmas. It, it, it was uh, in my family, when my uh, aunt and uncle lived nearby for a long time, we would come home on Christmas Eve and, all, and Santa had come. And so we would open presents Christmas Eve. So I would imagine in my, you know, eight year old head that uh, the Christmas 
church service <laughs> was, was less uh, <laughs> less about the church service and worshiping Jesus and more about looking forward to what presents were there. When my uncle and aunt moved away, Santa would never come during the Christmas church service, Christmas Eve church service. We would have to come home and then my dad and the kids would go looking for Santa in the car. And my mom would always have an excuse for not going. And then Santa would have come. We just missed him every time. So that was like, that was, that was interesting. like the extent of it. And plus like parties and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. and then my, you know, my dad always wanted to get the biggest Christmas tree. We would go to, we go to the Christmas tree lot and he'd be like, where's the biggest, I want the biggest tree. What's the biggest tree you got? And we'd come home with like a 14 foot, 15 foot Christmas tree running into the ceiling. So it was great. Yeah. That was that. That was basically the extent of most of my. <laughs> Uh, yeah, memories and traditions. Yeah, those times it was traditions. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't remember a ton of traditions. Like, I mean, I didn't know what Advent was besides a calendar with chocolate in it. You know, for mm-hmm. until I was in my thirties, probably. Um, but we did that. I, I feel like pretty regularly was like the countdown to Christmas. So you'd open the little cardboard windows and mm-hmm. get your chocolate out. Um, Always very mediocre chocolate. It tastes like plastic. Yeah. As an adult, I know that. As a kid, I think I was very excited. Mm. Uh, and my mom still sends those every year to my kids. So they they still do that. Mm. So that was something. I mean, I it, it, there definitely was, you know, we hang up decorations, there's trees, there's lights. Uh, it, it didn't have a profoundly like religious quality to it, like the lights or the trees or things like that. It was very just Christmas oriented. And the actual holiday like christmas eve christmas day most of my memories uh, are related to not church things because um whether we would have gone or not like the the having two my parents are divorced and so things would expand to fill kind of everything so christmas morning was with my mom christmas afternoon and evening was with my dad so christmas eve was usually with like some of my mom's family so that we had a lot of cousins so there's like a lot of moving parts it was mm-hmm. great. I have a lot of very warm memories of it, mm-hmm. but I, my memories are entirely going to different people's houses or having them come to my house and then going to a different house, having the same thing or different. Um, so very fond memories, but that was like Chris, the holiday. It's my favorite holiday. It was when I was a kid, uh-huh. but it was entirely about different family and how that, that configuration was going to happen and who we were going to see when. I would imagine for a lot of divorced kids of divorced parents, that's pretty significant. Even now as someone who's married to uh, someone who grew mm-hmm. up in a family that had divorced parents, the complexities of that are still very relevant to this day. So, and and I think actually probably more the norm than the alternative. Yeah, right. Yeah, and a lot of people I know, yeah. th- it, those were difficult. Th- I mean, for me, yeah. you know, uh, I'm really grateful that it wasn't a very difficult. I don't have any bad memories of like, oh, now we got to go here and you know see these people. Yeah. I, I I have really good memories of all of that, but it definitely was the predominant tradition was just kind of all the different factors that would happen to figure out who you were going to see when and where. Mm. My dad's dad, growing up, I saw him once a year on Christmas day. He would come to our house for an hour, give me a crisp $20 bill and would take a picture of us. That's the only time I ever saw him once a year. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's my Christmas tradition. Uh, man. Grandpa's taking a picture of you. It's like an old West memory or something. <laughs> it's so, it was like so old. It was so, my dad's family's a mess, but it was, it was, uh, it was okay. So th- this is really interesting. Okay. So, cause my, for, for the vast majority of my childhood, like Christmas day, we would 
when I was little, we would drive the hour to my grandparents. We were living in Colorado. But then when I was 10, we moved to California. So then Christmas was about flying back to Colorado. Mm. And every Christmas for my uh, like zero to 20 was at my mom's parents' house. Mm. Right. And it was like, this was like the, the patriarch and the matriarch of the family. Grandma and Grandpa Harper's house was like all Christmas memories were filtered through there. And, and we would go to Christmas Eve service, but we'd, we'd have to dress up. Like I had to have a, a tie and a suit jacket to go to Christmas Eve service. So you flew with like nice clothes. Oh yeah. Like even when you were like 20, like 19, like when mm. you were in college with bleach tips and oh, uh, puka yeah. I, I at least had to wear a tie okay. for sure. I okay. mean, it, but we didn't only, I, I didn't only have to wear a tie for Christmas Eve service. We had to wear a tie for Christmas dinner. Like, so wow. we would do Christmas presents in our pajamas and stuff like that. But even though we're all staying in the same house, like I would have to put a tie same on tie. Wow. for, for Christmas dinner. I, and then all, all the cousins would come over. Like it was a very, was the tie thing cool? Like, like later on looking back, was it like a, like you had a tradition, you had something that mattered? Looking back, I miss it. I'll be honest with you. Like I hated it as a teenager. Yeah. Right. right? Like it was lame as a teenager. Looking back. There and there's a piece of me that uh, totally like that actually kind of misses it, Um, and that misses, um, yeah, just the 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 casualness that that. Anyway, that's completely uh, something formal and special and set set apart. Yeah, exactly. Something that that said what we're doing here isn't just a big meal, right? We're doing something different. Usually, that matters. Usually, it's you know. The, the where it gets off a little bit is when someone doesn't have the tie and yeah. then someone yells at somebody else exactly. and like and big drama. A, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's nice if everyone's bought in, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, it, and really it only works, which is a part of why, which is a part of why uh, it's no longer. You know, I, I mean, the, the things that were, if they're up to me, were very different than what, than reality. John's um, got a clip on tie. He doesn't respect <laughs> Christmas dinner. So, What's, what's striking to me about this is I think that our experiences are all very similar to a lot of people's in that Christmas is about family, right? Christmas is about family. And that's, that's what I grew up kind of just experientially learning. Like Christmas was about family. It was about immediate family. It was about, um, uh, extended family. And I think that that's the general assumption in our broader culture, right? Like that's what. And when people have a hard time with Christmas, oftentimes it's, they have a hard time because Christmas is about family and either family isn't doing well, or they're separated from family, or it's no longer like it once, it once was. Um, But then you put into that context, this whole concept of Advent, (laughs) this whole concept of the celebration of the incarnation and really a meditation on the incarnation. I think sometimes people have a hard time um, combining the two, mm. right? It feels like these are two disparate uh, focuses. And so they're, they're they kind of, it, it becomes about family and they feel bad. It's not about Jesus enough. And, you know, how, how have you guys navigated that in your families with your kids and how, how have you uh, emphasized the spiritual components, the Christian components of, Christmas that maybe wasn't as much of an emphasis growing up and and how have you navigated that balance between Christmas being a family holiday versus essentially like a, a Christian meditation and celebration 
so one of the things about learning about the church calendar, um, one of the things it can do is make everything feel competitive. Um, so that it's a zero sum game. Like you're either going to make it about this or that you're either going to make it about Jesus or family. Um, and once you really get into the understanding of how Advent, um, has been observed historically, which is not one thing. There's lots of different ways people have done this. Some people have tried to not do Advent. There are whole swaths of, of the Christian tradition that have like said no Christmas, because <laughs> you know well, Christmas is sort of this other holiday. Jose was talking know? about this, right? And and yeah. the, and the idolatry and the nativity scene, and you, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's it, there's all sorts of different ways all these things. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's there's it's not one thing, and I think what that a negative way of handling that is just making it a competition, so you just feel guilty no matter what you do. Um, another negative way I of handling with it, that, yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> another negative way of doing it is making it just this kind of weird self focused or your own family focused buffet of spiritual things and you know, pick a bunch of things that, that, that make us feel warm and happy. Um, but there's a way of looking at it that I think I've tried to, to do, which is look at all of the amazing Christ focused, uh, ways that are available to any given person right now to highlight his goodness and mercy and grace in coming. There's so many different ways people have offered to us that allow us to take uh, take that on board during this season. So let me give just a couple of examples. Um, a lot of people really struggle during the holidays because of uh, things going on in their life, uh, things going on in their family. There's a lot of the Advent season that was meant... The reason why people pushed Christmas back was because they wanted to give space to the bleak midwinter. They wanted to give space to the waiting and the idea that Christ entered into pain. And so there's a time of, Advent is a time, not of feasting, but of fasting. It's a time of recognizing the the short days and the darkness and the cold that Christ entered into. If you're going through something, Advent has something for you for that. Um, and you don't need to go, oh man, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> mm. um, but you know what? If you've had a great year, and Advent becomes a time of taking the difficulties, uh, sorry, of of um, moving f- away from the idea of, well, here the Advent, the Advent candles are about the difficulties and the waiting and the bleakness and Christ entering into our suffering. And it becomes the peace candle and the shepherd candle, you know, and the love candle. And that's a wonderful way of highlighting the beauty of Christ as well. Mm. And if you ever feel like, I think one of the things for us is we do still focus a lot on family. It's one of the few times in American culture that you have uh, everyone going, yeah, it's, it's time to hang out with our family. It's time, it's time to be with your loved ones. Why not look at that as a, a way of appreciating what Christ has given you and simultaneously look at the ways Christ makes up for your lack? Um, why not have Christ and family be something you can do together? Uh, so, so there's just a lot of ways that I think Christmas and Advent give you a lot of different ways to meet you where you are and highlight the goodness of the things you have and and see those as coming from God and also reckon with the things that you long for and see those as met in God. Mm. And all of those come together and culminate in the coming of Christ on Christmas Day for, for you and for us. Mm. And, and I think for me, on, on a practical side, in the midst of the business, right? So you're talking 
you're talking uh, uh, family and you're talking the potential for competition. But there's a million, I mean, in this season, there's a million things that are competitive. It can be related to gift giving. That can be a competition. It can be related to other kinds of events, school events or, uh, you know, work events or other kinds of things. Like there's so much packed into the end of the year meeting with people that you want to see before the end of the year or like relational connection. And you're trying to navigate all that. It just feels like such a compacted, complicated time um, that I think what Brian is saying is powerful because uh, the, the season of Advent speaks into all of those areas and can speak hope and truth and transformation and power into all those areas. For us, the, the daily reading of, an Advent uh, devotional and singing of a song and lighting of a candle um, or a series of candles, like having a set apart time for, in our family for Advent, that continual structure is a hundred percent necessary for us in this season. The structure, honestly, the structure itself. And I don't know if this is true for everybody. I would imagine it's true for more people than not, but the idea of, um, oh, let's make this a season about Jesus. And um, we're going to try to like just do that in casual or like non-structured ways, I think has severe limitations. I think this is why the idea of consistent devotionals or consistent structure to your devotional life, which is why we have the Advent package, is because there's so many things pulling at that time and attention, energy, and focus that you need something that anchors you. We just uh, we just had a discussion a couple of weeks ago on prayer in the night and um, one of the things that came away from that in that book is the the power of um, uh, structure in things like prayer that we don't oftentimes uh, think we need, but are so helpful in the midst of a life that pulls us in all these other directions. These kind of things can anchor us and anchor us in a way, whether it's our kids or our family or us personally, anchor us in a way that non-structured things are really hard for them to do. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, for us, it's that consistent every night reading of this devotional, um, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific one. Like there's so many good Advent devotionals, reading of a, of a story from scripture, thinking about truth, praying together, singing a song, even if it only takes five to 10 minutes, mm-hmm. it is the kind of structure that like, uh, is extremely necessary for us to have any kind of spiritual vitality in this season. Mm. I think it's so helpful. And I think what, what, what resonates with me about it is that I think that structure is really helpful, um, particularly when it's not every night, right? Particularly yeah. when you, when you miss a night, when things get busy or you like things, you know, you're like, Oh man, we didn't, we didn't do Advent tonight, but tomorrow, like we still know what we're going to do. Right. We, and, and so that even when it's, uh, this is uh, front of mind because we were having this conversation with our kids just last night. <laughs> where I was like, "Oh my gosh, we've fallen behind on Advent!" You know, like, "Oh, what did we? What did we do?" You know, and and to, to be able to simply say, uh, no, "No, let's let's just do tonight, right?" Like we we know what to do. Let's light the candle. Let's read a read a passage. We we actually go through. A, we did this years ago. We had this little book, the Names of Jesus book. Oh yeah, right. Um, the tradition with our kids has become, I I try to get them to guess what the name of Jesus is tonight. Mm. And (laughs) what do you think? And unfortunately they, I'm like, this is going to be really cool. It's going to be like a really spiritual thing. And so basically for like 17 days in a row, they all go Prince of peace. No. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, well, ne- next night. Prince of Peace. Why Prince they, of Peace? I, I don't know why. They're just waiting for Prince of Peace. They're like, because if I just keep saying the same one, if I say something different, <laughs> this might be the day that it actually it's like is. like lotto numbers? Yeah, it's like lotto. So if I just say it over and over okay, and over. Your kids are gambling on Adler. I'm going to get it do you, think they have a, do you think they have a side game going on? They have some bets going on on, on when Prince of Peace comes up? Uh, but 20 to I, 1 on Prince of Peace. But anyways, I, I find this structure really helpful when it's every night because it like gives that rhythm. Yeah. And if you miss. When you miss. And the grace that says, "Oh, well, like actually, I know what I know what to come back to." And there's only a certain amount of nights left. You yeah, got yeah. six, five nights left. Yep. It's like it, it is what it is. Like yeah, this yeah. is tonight's night. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, anyways, I, I I think that's really, and I also resonate with just the helpfulness of that kind of structure in all of life. One of the things I love about that, both personally and with our family, is it takes sometimes a, a weekly rhythm at the very least a weekly rhythm of family worship and imbues it into a nightly thing, which oftentimes has reverberations in other times of the year, hmm. um, oftentimes into January and things like that, where uh, other types of conversation, like it, it shapes um, in different ways, both in expectation of it and coming out of it. It shapes other um, aspects of the year in, in a way that I think um, at their best seasons of, the church calendar are, are meant to. Um, but what, what about for, what about for each of you personally? Um, what, what is most, maybe not most, but what, what is, what is something that's significantly meaningful to you about the Advent season? Like what, what do you enjoy about it particularly? I mean, I, I think it's hard to, to, to pin down exactly like, Oh, it's this thing. Mm. Um, partially because there's so many layers of things going on. Uh, it's, it's part of why I don't want to ask most. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Like, like, but I mean, I think the, on the one hand, you have a unique season just culturally. Like you have this time when everything shifts. We're so disparate across kind of the United States, especially California. Like, Everyone's kind of got their own thing. Everyone's got their own playlist of songs. Everyone's got their own individual thing going on so much. Um, the only thing that barely unites us is that kind of traffic picks up around the school year. You know, like Thanksgiving is one thing we kind of all do. But Christmas is this thing that everyone does for more than one night. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have like the lights and the decorations and the songs change. Um and there's something to me that's helpful about that that I do enjoy a lot, which is, oh, here's here's an external thing that's focusing me on an event that I find a lot of spiritual significance in. So that's really rare. Normally you're fighting what's going on around you to try and go, oh, I need to, I want to make sure that I don't miss kind of the transcendent meaning of what's happening in the world, in my life, in my soul, in my heart right now. Uh, it's really nice in December because there's a bunch of stuff that's reminding you. Um, it doesn't have to remind you if you don't believe it. But if you do believe it, you all of a sudden have this like this, you know, backwind. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of helping you spiritually move forward into these things that I think sometimes can feel like it's it takes a fight uh, to focus on. So I, I enjoy that part. That's a weird answer, but that's one. I, and you you kind of alluded to it. I, and for me, honestly, I think if I was going to say one thing, and I know we're not saying just one thing, but um, for me, honestly, I I think it's the music. Mm. Like, and there's uh you hear so much Christmas music everywhere and like the regular normal stuff is 
you're probably sick of it. It might even be like hard to hear that. I would say that music is the thing that's like, uh, but there is so much weird, different, uh, creative old Christmas music. I was thinking about the choir this past Sunday. Mm. Like that is a completely different style than we would normally listen to. And so profound and beautiful as you like the words hit you differently. Like the meditation on the incarnation in my mind, the meditation on the incarnation that comes from music. Mm. Um, I was listening to, uh, we haven't done it this year. We've done it in years past, like let all mortal flesh keep silence, right? Like Mm. this old, I mean, I think it's 1700, 1800 year old, um, uh, originally uh, a song about the incarnation and um, just beautiful, haunting, weird, different. Um, there's a great album, Bifrost Arts has a great album, Salvation is Created. Just weird, different. There's so much different. I would say if you're listening to music and you're like sick of it, like dig a little deeper because there's some really fascinating, wonderful Christmas music out there. And for me, um, that's one of the most powerful ways that the theology of the incarnation gets like woven into my heart in this season. Mm. I don't know if that that is yeah. true for anybody else. but mm. No, I think that's really rich. That's really rich. When I hear Frosty the Snowman, I just like, <laughs> man, like my heart just leaps for joy thinking about flesh. I mean, he was, yeah. God he taking was on flesh. <laughs> imbued with power all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so, okay, so um, I think this is true every year, but maybe particularly this year. I know that there's a lot of pain and difficulty as well. I know there's a lot of just personal struggle and relationships and things like that. Um, I think a lot of people are also just a bit overwhelmed by a world at war in a number of ways, a lot of just divisiveness and anger and uh, locally and then across the world, just horrific war. How, how does this season, how do you see this season not simply being a distraction in like, okay, let's just think about happy things, but ha- how does it bring hope into the the parts of life and people's lives that are particularly difficult right now? I mean, that's where the some semi-original idea of Advent is really helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I you know, it strikes me just over the last, this last, you know, how long we've been talking that I've been pretty theoretical, but I think, and I'm, I think I'm known for that. Um, you no, but I think that's how I make sense of what's going on. Like, I, I think mm. at, at some level, like mm. I, I, I realize I can probably err on that side too, but that's how I make sense of the world around me is going, what, what is it that actually explains this and doesn't reduce it? Um, and I think that's the beauty of the incarnation in some ways as this kind of central miracle of the Christian story is that you have the light entering the darkness. You have Christ himself, not less than God, but fully God, not becoming less than human, but fully human. And if that's true, it has to intersect with the, the difficult, painful, horrible things that happen in the world and not truncate them and not reduce them. And so I think that um, it, it sounds theoretical to talk about, ah, yes, you know, the bleak midwinter, <laughs> very metaphorical and sort of, you know, it's all imagery and story and ideas and abstract. But I think that's mm-hmm. the only thing that actually allows you to stare the, re- the reality of the world in the face and, and not have to blink the entire time. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, you're trying to cram reality into a smaller story and into a, 
you're trying to make it not what it is. You're trying to take its power out of it. And you end up having to live a life saying, well, I'm not really dealing with it then. And you just kind of have to hide that. And I think if, if Christmas is, is true and real, that means that God didn't hide from the reality of sin and brokenness. And so neither do we. Um, it, and in a weird way, that makes it harder to look at something because you, you really have to square up to its reality. And my emotional side wants to run. But those emotions feel too big. I don't feel like I have the fortitude to meet the moment on some of the horrors of the world that we hear more about now than we've probably ever been able to hear about as human beings. Um, to have video of things you only heard about before that, you know, not that long ago, you wouldn't have even heard about because it was across the world. Uh, to know the horrors of human experience in so many ways and to set them right alongside all of the the beauty and the brightness and the surprising joy of being a human being and to have to have both of those up and running without going, well, I just, I'm going to shrink them down to it, to an easy Christmas song, or I'm going to shrink them down to an easy cynicism or I'm going to shrink them down to be able to go, how do I actually deal with the realities of life and all of their fullness um, without blinking? I, I need, it's not theoretical in that sense. Like I need to think big about those things if I'm going to be able to actually look at the reality of the size of them in the face. And that's the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of the incarnation is that that's what, that's what God did mm-hmm. is he, ne- he didn't stop short of the fullness of human life and experience. And if he didn't, and he was able to triumph and overcome those things through suffering, not apart from it, then so too can I look at things that are hard to look at um, when they're forced upon me and reckon with the horrors of the world and the joys of the world and live through them, um, knowing that the power of God is at work in this world, not some other world. So to me, that the, the theory really is an important way of living actual life. And Christmas is a great example to me of that in the midst of so many horrible things going on. I mean, that's, that's the power of Advent. Everything you just said right there is um, so much of a contrast with how the world typically sees Christmas. Christmas is a time of like joy and happiness and smiling through things. And the reality is there is a kind of superficial joy, superficial happiness that we can all give into in this season that prevents us from looking both ourselves and the world honestly in the face. And what the incarnation does, like exactly what you just said, it combines both the brokenness and darkness and hurt and suffering and failure of our own life and of the world around us across the world or right next door with real hope and real joy that is paired together. And the reality, maybe there's something about Christmas that does that more profoundly because of the incarnation, because it's God himself, hope, joy, peace coming to our broken world, taking on our flesh, taking on our brokenness and entering into that himself. Um, But the reality is any joy, any true joy you ever have at any point in the world is also simultaneously experienced with tons of suffering, both in your life and around you. Mm. And there's something so helpful and compelling about that when we are in a Christmas season where we give into that superficial kind of happiness and joy that's filled with, you know, uh, presence and sentimentality and all these other things, it never satisfies and never gives you the joy that it offers. Mm. And the truth is only Christmas really does that. Um, It looks both the brokenness and the hope and the beauty in the face together and says, both of these things are true because God became flesh. 
man, I love this time of year. I think it does it in all those ways. <clears throat> and so many more just reverberate uh, in deep ways throughout our entire years. And it's why I think there's such a, a helpfulness and, and a richness to taking the time to consider it to both um, prioritizing family and digging deep with in, in investing in those relationships and re- utilizing the Advent season as a powerful reminder um, for these deep truths. I think that uh, I appreciate what you said earlier, Brian, that it, it like sometimes we, we try to get them to compete as if one has to be the focus and the other one's not. But I think when we um, engage, holy God, I don't know, God, God directs and shows us his glory and power in unique ways through um, all the, through the historical Advent focus and through the modern um, family focus of this really, really unique holiday. So, well, can we say one more thing too? Yeah, please. I think because we, we do this a lot and I do this all the time. So, this is my besetting issue, one of many. Um, we, for, an, for another podcast, we talked, <laughs> yeah, we talked about the heights of joy and the depths of suffering, but the incarnation also means that Christ went squarely into the mundane parts of life too. Mm. And I think for most of us, I mean, some people listening to this are in the midst of really deep suffering. Some of you are in the midst of a really phenomenal, uh, celebration and that's all true. A lot of people are going to be, this is, you know, when Christmas is four days away, I think it's only four or five days away. We're going to be, people are going to be scurrying. Um, if, if there are kids involved in your life, cousins, your own nieces and nephews, whatever, you're going to be, you're going to be cleaning up wrapping paper. Mm-hmm. You're going to be doing all of these very normal things. Packing. Yeah. Just, you're going to be under that, that stress that you feel guilty for experiencing mm. because it doesn't feel real enough to really stress you out, but boy, does it, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be traveling, packing, driving, flying, uh, d- dealing with all the mundane things of life. And you're going to feel distracted and, and Christ came into the very normal parts of human life too. He didn't just come to excesses. He came to the everyday. Mm. And that means that he can sympathize with you when your problems feel small and not huge. Mm. And it means that he can sympathize with you and celebrate with you when your celebrations feel medium-sized and not joyous and, and overwhelming. Mm. He can celebrate you with you when you're picking up wrapping paper and when you're wrapping a gift and having a hard time because wrapping gifts is very difficult. No one tells you this. Bags. It's very hard. Bags. <laughs> it's all bags. <laughs> but the, at the end of the day, uh, your Christmas celebration doesn't need to be just over the moon worship in the depths of your soul or making it through the absolute horrors of the world. Worship also meets you right square where you are in a living room in an apartment. Mm. And that's good too. And so I, I guess I just want to emphasize for myself and for all of us how Advent and Christmas, it, it is in some sense by definition Christ meeting you where you are. And from there producing worship and goodness and reality and depth in your life. Mm. And so don't think that because you will be distracted on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that all of a sudden you have lost the meaning of, of Christmas. No, 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 that's, that's very much it. He came, he came to us and spent a lot of time in obscurity and mundane work. 
And so when you're doing the small things and dealing with the small issues, he is as much there to be worshipped as any of the big things. Uh, take full advantage, enjoy, let him be with you, because he came, that's what Christmas is, is he came to be with us. So let the Emmanuel be the Emmanuel in all the small things too over the next few days. Hmm. That's a great meditation to, to send us off on. Send us up to Christmas. So um, before we go, any songs to sing? I promise songs. <laughs> Frosty no? the snowman. Doesn't just like hits you deep. Indeed. All right. Well, maybe I can, I can probably do let all mortal flesh keep silence because it's maybe, like all weird and creepy. Maybe we should really let people just <laughs> click over at this point to their own Christmas playlist and uh, and enjoy that. So <laughs> thanks for listening all. We love you. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and we'll see you Christmas Eve on Sunday. Salvation spring up from the ground, Lord, in the heavens and come down. Seek the lost and heal the lame, Jesus, bring glory to your name. Let all the prodigals run home, all of creation waits and groans. Lord, we've heard of your great fame, Father, cause all to shout your name. <laughs>